Friends, I'm so grateful to my colleague, um, Kiana, who reminded us of the significance of this day, that it is the 50th day in the season of Easter, which is called Pentecost. If you think about penta, meaning 50, um, this wonderful Jewish celebration, but also too for uh, those of us within um, the church tradition, we know this as basically the last day of Easter, the birthday of the church. And over the course of the last 50 days, we at the Southeast Raleigh table have really been leaning into life-giving life. Uh, for those of you who were able to get here just uh, a bit before the worship service started, we saw beautiful images and pictures of individuals in our community who take it so seriously that resurrection power intersects with our ordinary lives and make our ordinary lives extraordinary. We've been living life and life more abundantly, even when all around us, when we're listening to the news or even in our own personal circumstances, it feels like this world is committed to death. It's on this day that we recognize that the power of God doesn't just stop with an empty tomb, but the power of God also rests within each and every one of us. Um, I would be remiss if I, if I did not say it's also another special day in that one of my high school friends just popped up, you know, um, because she knows one of the confirmands. And we've not seen each other since 1994. And she is like a good cheese, like aging gracefully. So God, what you have done for Alexis, do it for all of us. <laughs> she is reminding all of us that God is still on the throne. Because um, I'm like, girl, you look good. Um, Anyway, we used to cheer together at Somerville High School back in the 90s. That's right. That's, um, I, I, I said to Kiana, oh my gosh, we've known each other since 1994. And Kiana says, I wasn't born yet. I was like, oh. <laughs> Is this in Wikipedia? I mean, like, did I need to know this? Anyway. Anyway, it's a special, it is a special day. The birthday of the church. I want to read for us from Acts chapter 2, which is typically the appointed text on Pentecost Sunday. Um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to skip uh, a portion of this passage of Scripture and then move down to uh, verses 14 through 21, but um, we'll offer some commentary in the midst of it all. It says that when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And then it says that there were devout Jews from all over because, as Kiana reminded us, that the day of Pentecost was a, a great celebration for um, our Jewish siblings. And from people from all over the, the world, Parthians, Medes, Egyptians, they were able to hear clearly what was being said by those individuals in the upper room when the uh, power of the Spirit rested upon them and they began to speak in these other tongues. People thought something wild was going on and began to laugh and to sneer and thought, oh my goodness, these folks who are in this upper room must be drunk or filled with wine, as it says in verse 13. But then in verse 14, but Peter standing with the 11 raised his voice and addressed them, 
Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no. <laughs> friends. <laughs> no, <laughs> this was what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Can you say all with me? All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I didn't magically become um, the pastor of the Southeast Raleigh Table. This community was actually birthed out um, of one of our siblings that's just down the street, a 211-year-old church, Eden Street United Methodist Church. And I was appointed to Eden Street at, uh, in 2009. At that time, I couldn't wear this, which is called a stole. Um, it was given to me on uh, the day that I became ordained or became an elder in the United Methodist Church. I didn't become ordained until 2010, so when I started at Eden and Street, I was not allowed to wear one of these whenever I would vest on a Sunday morning. After worship one Sunday, there was um, a very kind woman who came up to me and said, why can't you wear ribbons like the other pastors? And I was thinking to myself, I need a lot more than ribbons to be a pastor. But then on a June afternoon in Greenville, North Carolina, as I kneeled down before a bishop, and a bishop placed his hands upon my shoulders and then said to me, take thou the authority. This bishop placed this heavy cloth across my shoulders, reminding me that in my holy yes to a life of ministry, and my holy no to another life, that I was going to be set apart. That this heavy cloth where I was told, take thou the authority, whenever there was a tragedy, or a diagnosis that seemed so heavy, or I was entering into a world that was more committed to death than life, that this piece of cloth was going to remind me that there was a power that operates within me that is supernatural, that even on the days in ministry when I leave this place and I feel helpless, I will never leave this place powerless. Ribbons. Ribbons won't get me very far in this lifetime. But every single time I wear this stole, it is a reminder that in a world that would rather place bans on bodies than on the weapons that take the lives of bodies, that when I feel helpless, <laughs> I am never powerless. And none of us 
and none of us are without this power within. Yes, there are going to be many Sundays you're going to leave this place and you're going to feel helpless. But whether you are wearing a stole or you're not wearing a stole, you will never be powerless. This text, that's right, this text that we read every single day in the life of the church on the 50th day of Easter known as Pentecost is our yearly reminder to each and every one of us who are gathered in this place that there is a new power dynamic that operates on the people who call themselves shaped in the power of the Most High God. That we who call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, we all, we all have access to a supernatural power that is not only within us, but also a supernatural power that works through us. Scholars love to talk about this moment that happens in Acts chapter 2. Sometimes people get caught up on, oh, so what do we mean by the tongues of fire? And what do we mean that the spirit rests? And is speaking in tongues the only way in which those might be known to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? At the end of the day, this, this beautiful cacophony that is happening in the upper room after Jesus tells his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit, it shall come upon you. It is a physical manifestation. It's a tangible sign of this inward movement of a power on them. You just need to know that whether it's the tongues of fire or a dove or anything that is happening in this space, that it is a distribution of a gift from God upon God's people. I don't want us to get caught up on the what. Instead, I want us to think about the who. It says then, all were filled. And this tongues of fire rested on all of them, verse 4. And then when people were like, okay, this doesn't make sense to us. They must all be, be filled with wine that all of these folks um, have this new power dynamic. I, I want you to think about this. When the world sometimes cannot understand when all of us have a particular amount of power. The best they can think of is, you know, maybe they're filled with wine. Is it Merlot or Chardonnay? We do not know. But even when they began to ask those questions, Peter then stands up and addresses the crowd saying, don't you remember that in the prophet Joel, that it says that, that God will pour out God's spirit upon all flesh. And then begins to speak about those who were young, all. And those who were older, all. And, and those who were outside the faith, all. That all will know what it is to be kissed by the power of God, the supernatural presence that even in the midst of us sometimes feeling helpless, not a one of us can ever say of ourselves that we are powerless. If you have time, I want you to go back and I want you to read this passage and I want you to see who is included in the all. It is not hyperbole, and it is not to be glossed over. The all means all. This is the wild wonder of being a part of a multi-church. It's not so that we can take really great pictures with one another. People oh my gosh, look at the diversity. I mean, people love to say that about the Southeast Raleigh table, but diversity can become a golden calf when it just ends at diversity, okay? 
I just, I need to say that. What is probably more beautiful about us being a multi-church is that we begin to recognize, we get to see over and over and over again, it confirmed for us that many kinds of people have power within them. That our key identities do not constrict our ability to have power. Is there a baby in this space? Well, you know what? You get to see babies in this space, and they're included in the all. Because even the psalmist says that the babbling of babes is like a strong tower, like a stronghold for God. That those who are in school, power. That those who write, power. That those who might be new in our community, power. That those who are divorced, power. That those who are childful, power. That those who are child-free, power. That those who are disabled, power. That those who are black, power. That those who are Asian, power. That those who are genderqueer, power, power power, all flesh, power. And there will be times when we will not make sense to the empire. Because as we celebrate a different power dynamic in this place, within a world that says that power only belongs to certain bodies, and then we display in this place that power rests on all bodies, even those that sometimes the state does not deem worthy or deserving to be in relationship with power. But in this Pentecost paradigm, in this Pentecost paradigm, in this Pentecost paradigm, verse 4, all. Verse 17, all. So we oftentimes remind each other on a Sunday morning of the all. It's a miracle. When Joshua and Jaden come to be confirmed and to be baptized, we'll say over them, the Holy Spirit work within you that being born of water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. When Victor and Wilhelmina were baptized about a month ago, two small children, you know what we said, the Holy Spirit work within you that being born of water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Whenever we stand behind this communion table, what do we say? Pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ that we might be for the world, all of us, the body of Christ redeemed by God's blood. All. All. That God trusts in this everyday dispensation of power with, not power over, that we might see the power in us and also displayed through us. This morning, um, we are so excited to have two young people who are going to be confirmed. 
And confirmation literally means that the vows that um, these young men's parents took when they were small young children, that now they confirm what has been affirmed. So this is not a day of affirmation. It's just simply a day to say what God has been doing, God is going to continue to do, but they're saying, yes, we confirm what people said over us when we were small children. Both of them are going to receive the gift of baptism, and you are going to have the opportunity to remind them of what the Holy Spirit can do within them. It's a commissioning of sorts, of saying what they believe, and also what they believe they're able to do and be unleashed in this world. I think what's so beautiful about this Confirmation Sunday is that it might be a reminder to us of what is confirmed in us. That this is a day where we are also remembering how the Holy Spirit is at work in each and every one of our lives. So that Pentecost isn't only a day of spiritual obedience, like, oh, you know, the disciples were gathered in this upper room and they prayed and they waited, but it's also a moment of recognizing that power is our birthright. That when we wait, we wait for gifts of power, it's our birthright. That in the face of bands on bodies, you are commissioned with power. That when the world is seduced and threatened by violence, you are commissioned with power. That when some people would rather render you invisible, you are commissioned with power. When people want to take me out, you are commissioned with power. When people want to take you out, you are commissioned with power. That Pentecost might remind us whether you are wearing ribbons or not. We might sometimes feel very helpless but we are not powerless. Like the words of the bishop who spoke over my life on June 16, 2010, Beloveds, take thou the authority. You are powerful. In the name of the one who creates and redeems and sustains, you are powerful. Will you pray with me? And I might invite you just to have your hands open as we pray. as a sign of receiving good gifts. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise that even though we are known as earthen vessels, clay jars with fissures, there's still a power that is at work in us where you take our ordinary lives and you make our ordinary lives extraordinary. Today, oh God, we want to be power brokers who show the world that the way in which we handle power, we handle it with care. 
not to lord over others, not to crush others, not to break others, not to be high and to make others low, but that this power that is at work in us and also through us is a power with, a power that allows all to hear good news, a power that allows all to be invited into wholeness and wellness. A power that does not crush or subdue us, but a power that invites us to live into the fullness of who you have called us to be. You're very good. God, would you pour out your power on us gathered here, that where we sometimes make ourselves too small or think we're insignificant or count ourselves out, or God, where we might even take up too much space or try to strong arm our lives, that this gentle power, this mighty power, this God-soaked power, oh Lord, that you steward, but then also invite us to hold, might be a power that so beautifully comes close to our lives that we cannot ignore the gift, that we cannot ignore employing the gift as your powerful people in this world. We pray this in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said,